getting older or my arms are getting shorter one <laughs> can you hear me now <laughs> I appreciate brother Mike like I said we 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 hit it off the first day we ever met and uh and we've been friends and I appreciate him it's Bible says that a man that hath friends must show himself what friendly uh, we need to be friendly to folks uh, I, I often I did youth for six years, and I often told my uh, youth, I said, if you'll be that one person's friend, don't have anybody, they'll think a lot of you, because <laughs> they don't have a backup. And uh, I believe Mike's my n- number one friend, and uh, I do have a backup. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, uh, but uh, like I said, uh, I like what uh, Brother Dewey Weaver, man, I highly uh, respect and love to death, an uh, older pastor there. He always said this. He said, I'm going to tell you what Henry VIII's wife what Henry VIII told his last wife, I'll not keep you long tonight. Uh, but uh, it is a blessing to be here. If you have your Bibles tonight, we'll turn them pretty quick. The book of Exodus, just the second book in the Bible, second book of the Pentateuch tonight. As we look at the book of Exodus, uh, Brother Mike did text me and ask me if I'd come uh, speak tonight. And I guess you'd go ahead and say preach. Uh, uh, it's, it's very difficult sometimes for me to get geared down and teach. I can uh, but it has to be in a smaller setting. When I get behind a pulpit, guess what? My first response is to preach. Uh, I think I started this last time I was here. Uh, we were here for the, the, the little short prayer advance thing we did, and, and I told, uh, there he is now. I've been talking about him all night. Now, y'all don't tell him what I said about him, all right? <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I was here for that night, and, and I had my little little hand out, and I was going to fill in all those little things. And, and Brother Eddie was, uh, Boyd was going to my church at that time, and uh, I told him, I said, I'm going to teach today, and I'm so proud of myself. And when I come down, he looked at me and he said, you preached. So uh, <laughs> that's definitely probably what I'm going to do tonight. Uh, but the Lord woke me up at, uh, and, and I, I guess the truth is, uh, I'm like everybody else. I'm so geared up, doing so many things. Honestly, uh, a lot of my study takes place 11, 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I think that is because, now I'll go to bed at 8 o'clock, but... Uh, I believe sometimes I just don't get calmed down enough in my spirit to hear Him. Are y'all like that? Uh, it seems that, and, and I'll say, Lord, why can't you speak to me at 5 o'clock in the evening? And, and, and <laughs> it's just like the Lord told me, look, you know, you're not even ready to listen then. So I guess when I get still enough, He speaks to me. But uh, my wife knows that when the kitchen light comes on, she knows what I'm doing. And uh, she usually doesn't, even, usually when I come back to bed, she say, you okay? I say, yeah. She said, okay, I know what you're doing. And uh, that's just the way it works for me. Not everybody's like that. Uh, I don't. I don't believe in preaching personal convictions because uh, we all. The Bible says, "Work out your own salvation, not work into your own salvation, but work out your own salvation with fear and trembling." Uh, listen, God's going to convict you of some things that He doesn't someone else. You know that. And and I think an immature Christian will turn around and try to get everybody else to get their personal conviction. And uh, listen, we have liberty in Christ. And we also have liberty to follow what he convicts us of. And, and that's just the way a lot of times my study life works. I'll never bore, I won't bore you with any more of that. Uh, but tonight, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Exodus, chapter number 3. Uh, no doubt a very familiar scripture tonight to almost everyone. Uh, we've been reading this and hearing about this since we were uh, in our first Sunday school class, no doubt, about Moses and the bush that was burning. I, I don't say the burning bush because the Bible says it's that it never burned up. So obviously it wasn't burning. It was just a, a bush that had some fire to it. Uh, but tonight we're going to be looking at that. And if I were to give a title to tonight's message, it would simply be God's people 
had a need. And as a pastor and as a preacher and as a man and as a member of society, doesn't God's people have a need tonight? They have a need. We, I, I'm a needy person tonight. Uh, I'm somebody who has a need. And, and I see that there's such a need tonight uh, in the uh, situations that we're in in our churches and in our nation and in our families. So many needs to be met. But I believe tonight we're going to see that there's really just one need that if that need were met, it would solve all the other problems. You see, most of the things we're trying to fix is simply a symptom. We're not trying to fix what's wrong. Uh, we're just putting more air in the tire. We're not trying to put find out where the air is coming out of the tire from. We're just putting more in it. And, and I believe that's the way we've gotten that way in our Christian lives. We're just trying to, to fix things. Uh, and there's only one thing that needs fixing. And we're looking tonight at the nation of Israel and God's people. Uh, and tonight we'll just read the first uh, 12 verses here. And we're going to go th- throughout the chapter and part of chapter 4. Uh, so we're not going to, I'm not going to read all that to you, but I will read the first 12 verses of chapter number 3. And if you feel like standing tonight, uh, that would be just fine to stand in reverence uh, to the reading of God's Word. I know J.D.'s old. He don't have to if you don't want to. Uh, but tonight, in Exodus chapter number 3, Now Moses kept the flock of Jer- Jer- Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land, unto a good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Let's pray. Fathers, we come tonight. Uh, Lord, tonight, Lord, I just uh, I need your help tonight. Father, I have a need right now, and that's for you to fill me with your Spirit so that I will say nothing that would be contrary to your precious book, Father. But Lord, just help me tonight that I would be able to help those uh, as you have helped me in this study. Father, I pray tonight that every soul that needs saving under the sound of my voice would be saved before it's eternally too late. Father, tonight, if there are those who are backslidden, I pray now, God, that you would restore the joy of their salvation and have them rededicate their life and start over and start anew on this very night. 
Father, those who are depressed, those who are uh, maybe even disgusted, I pray tonight, Father, that they would get some help tonight. And I ask all of this in your precious Son's holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Just two quick points tonight, if you'll just allow me to do that. The first point I want you to notice uh, is that God's people needed God. Boy, that's real deep. Now, I know you'll have to really think about that for a few moments. You may have to get you out your 1780 Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> but the truth is, God's people needed help. And the second thing I want you to notice tonight is that God's man needed God. First of all, as I said, God's people needed God. First of all, I want you to notice that God's people's greatest need was not a man. I've had people say this, and I heard a preacher say this one time. I can't take credit for it, but he said someone came to him and said, you know, if our pastor leaves our church, it'll go to nothing. And that old wise man of God said, then it wasn't anything to start with. God's people's greatest need is not a man. Moses was not a natural-born leader. He was born into slavery. He was a slave to the Egyptians. He had been brought, he had been born there, and most people think uh, uh, that all they need in church is a good man. All they think is if we can just get a good man, uh, that we'll be okay. If we could, uh, some ladies think if I can just get a good man, uh, everything would be okay. Uh, uh, some uh, uh, places of work says if we can just get a few men, we'll be okay. Uh, listen, the woman at the well, uh, if she thought to herself, if she could just find uh, the right man. And by the way, Jesus said she was on her sixth one. And she still hadn't found him. Israel wanted a king in the book of 1 Samuel, like other nations. They thought if they got a king, that was all they would need. And God gave them Saul. Now there's some things that I always laugh about, and this be one of them. When they were going, now Samuel had already went and anointed Saul to be king, but when it come time for the public anointing, they said, where's the king? And they said, he's hid under the stuff. Y'all remember that? And they go out there and they drag him out from where he's hid and then everybody says, God save the king. <laughs> now, that just, I, I'm sorry, that just makes me laugh. It makes me laugh when Jesus said, they, you strain a gnat and swallow a camel. I think that's funny. I really do. Listen, they thought they would, they thought that they just had a man. But isn't it interesting that God gave them a boy by the name of David? And by the way, David eventually became a man after God's own heart. But you see, the answer is not always a man. They were looking for a man. Listen, during the time of Christ, Israel was looking for a man. They were under the bondage of the Roman government. They had been attacked by the Greeks. They'd been attacked by the Romans after that. And they were under oppression. And they were looking for a man. And they wanted a king. But God sent them a servant. They were looking for a lion. God sent them a lamb. They were looking for a sword. But God sent them a savior. See, it's not always about getting the right man. The world is looking for a man. How many of y'all know that? 
The world is looking for a man. They're looking for someone that will take over and bring peace. And let me tell you, after the rapture of the church, they're going to get their three and a half years of peace, but it'll be by the hand of the Antichrist. Our greatest need is not, God's people's greatest need is not a man. Moses was not the answer. Let me go ahead and draw this as well. You know how to tell a Pharisee they've always got their man. You remember what the Pharisees said? We're the seed of Abraham. Y'all remember them saying that? They were, they were looking at a man. They said, we be after uh, the law of Moses. See, they had men. But their greatest need was not a man. God's people's greatest need is more God. Why was Israel, as we look at this, and of course God's calling Moses here, but why is Israel in Egypt to start with? Well, let's see. They went down because of a famine. Y'all remember that? Joseph was sold as a slave, went down. Now, I won't preach all of that. That's a whole other story. But Joseph went down into Egypt, and his family eventually followed him there because of the famine. How many of you know sometimes God sends a famine? Sometimes God sends trouble. Why does He allow this trouble to happen? Listen, God had sent a, fa a famine to, to Israel. Why? Because God understands uh, that if Israel gets self-sufficient, they won't need God. How many of you call on God when times are good? Be honest. When do we call on God the most? When there's a famine. You see, the truth of the matter is, as long as they slop in the trough, the hog never looks up. Y'all ever raised hogs? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm much later than I ought to be. My dad was a World War II veteran. I, we didn't have any running water till I was 13 years old. So I know what it's like to go outside and sit in that cold place with the wind blowing through the cracks at night to go to the restroom. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, there's, 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 there's things uh, uh, that goes on, folks. I know what it's like to slop the hogs. Uh, and you walk down there and you carry those two big buckets and you pour it over in there and they just... And they never look up. That's you and me. That's us. I never say y'all, not in that context. I always say that's us, that's we. That's the way we are. Truth of the matter is, we we try to find everything else, but we need more God. As long as Israel was being treated well, they never sought God at all. But when times got rough, when they began to kill their newborn children, the males, when they began to make them work, and then they began to take away their straw later on in this account and made them work harder. They began to call upon God. Job made this statement in chapter 23, verse 12. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. The truth of the matter is, not only do we need more God, I wonder if we really, and I'm not talking about salvation, I'm talking about a personal relationship, how much we know about Him at all in our life. Just to question it for a few moments. Question my own self. How 
much God do I have really in my life? And if you go over to Exodus chapter 6 verse 3, the truth of the matter is they really never knew God at all in that way. They didn't have a personal relationship with Him. If you'll turn over to chapter 6 verse 3, look what God says Himself. And I appeared unto Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but my name Jehovah was I not known to them. Have you got a personal relationship with God? A kind of relationship that you spend time with Him? That you think about Him more than when there's a problem? Do you thank Him enough, really, when the problem is solved? Or do you just move on to the next problem? Do we really treat God as though He's some kind of a cosmic Santa Claus where we can just take our wish list and hand it to Him and expect God to just answer everything? Or do we have a relationship to the point that when we ask something, we don't ask amiss, as James says, but we actually have a prayer life that's in line and in order with His will in our life? Do we know Him? Now, Israel knew who Abraham was. Oh yeah, he's the guy, uh, he's the father of the Hebrews. Yeah, he's the one in Genesis chapter 12. Oh, we know the man. They knew who Isaac was, the one uh, that was taken upon uh, Mount Moriah by his dad and was uh, to be the sacrifice there. And God sent a ram, uh, sent a way that he wouldn't have to sacrifice. They knew Jacob. Oh yeah, he's the father of the patriarchs. They knew Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they knew Joseph. But I'll be honest with you. They didn't know God. They knew who He was. They had a certain amount of respect for Him. But their relationship was lacking. Is ours. Just a question. What kind of relationship do we have with God? God's people needed God. And let me say that's never changed. We don't necessarily need somebody new in the White House to straighten us out. We don't need somebody new uh, in the local uh, supervisory board. Uh, we don't really even need to look to somebody new behind the pulpit. The truth of the matter is, we just need more God. You know why things don't line up? Because you're trying to put the puzzle in the wrong... You're trying to put the piece in the wrong puzzle. <laughs> We're leaving God out. The nation of Israel had left God out. Uh, God's people needed God. But then God decides, and He usually does, uh, that He's going to send a man to help them. But you see, man is still a man, and he needs God's help too. Boy, did Moses need God's help. <laughs> First thing about Moses, uh, God's man needed help. God's greatest need, uh, Moses' greatest need was not confidence confidence and eloquence. Now, he points that out. You know, there was a time in Moses' life when he had plenty of confidence. It didn't help him much. No doubt he probably had some eloquence. Moses uh, was on the, at this point, and uh, in, in here in this chapter 3, was on the backside of the desert keeping Jethro's sheep. That was his father-in-law. I know what it's like to have to work for my father-in-law. <laughs> But it was probably the best job Moses ever had. You know why? Because he was away from Egypt. I'll be honest with you. I, as I study this, I'm pretty sure that Egypt is the last place Moses wants to go. A place where you've been hurt. You ever had to go back somewhere where you've been hurt? It's 
It's hard. Moses been hurt. Why did did he get hurt? Because he had confidence. (laughs) Listen, I believe Moses would have stayed in the Midian uh, desert, their wilderness, looking after those sheep for the rest of his life if God had left him alone. I believe that. After all, he had seen all of Egypt he wanted to. Once he had been the prince of Egypt. Top of the line. Man, he, he was educated in the highest standard of learning in the world at that time. I mean, he was a Harvard Yale man. I mean, he had a place where he had been educated. Listen, we've seen the archaeologists say that even in the times of the Pharaohs that Egyptians were actually uh, trying to do brain surgery. They found uh, a skeletons where they cut holes in their head doing something. Man, I'm talking about somebody that was way advanced. Moses had that opportunity. Listen, I'm not preaching against education, but uh, an education without God uh, uh, turns into an intellectual mongrel. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? Education without God makes humanism. And Moses had had an education, certainly. And he he had been a mighty man. But you know, God needed a meek man. His confidence in the flesh had got him ran out of town in Exodus chapter 2. Verses 11 through 14. He decided that it was time for him to do something. Man, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life when I've decided it's time to do something. Not waiting on God. And oh boy, have I buried some Egyptians in the sand. How about y'all? Was anybody like that? I mean, <laughs> I buried some Egyptians in the sand. Thought I was doing the right thing. Trying to defend somebody. We talked about that a while ago, wasn't we, Miss Levita? He's trying to defend his own people, but he wasn't doing it God's way. And it cost him 40 years. He tried to exhort authority that he didn't have. One of the things that I was taught in seminary by a very wise man during pastoral theology, that's a big old word, ain't it, Brother Mike? But I'll never forget that old instructor. He, that night he come in, we all sat down, and he said, all right, boys, I'm going to give you the cold, hard truth. I, you better brace when, I, when a professor tells you that. He got his driver's permit out, and he says, what does that say right there? And we, we all said his name. He said, the church that you're called to, you can take that permit right there, and you can say, I'm the pastor right here's my name, but until they let you be pastor, you have no authority whatsoever. Boy, that served me well. It's an earned title. But the truth is here, Moses thought that just because he had an inclination, he was going to lead the children of Israel, but he had not got the authority to do that yet. And God wasn't ready for him to do that yet. And his confidence and his eloquence didn't get him anywhere. Didn't turn out so well. Matter of fact, and this is where he got hurt, even his own people rejected. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that Jesus came into his own and his own received him not. Man, that hurts. When someone you thought you could confide in, when someone you thought that you could trust betrays that. David was betrayed by his own familiar friend, Ahithophel. Jesus was betrayed by his own friend Judas. Joseph was betrayed by his own brothers. 
Oh, that hurts. Listen, God's man did not need confidence. and He didn't need eloquence. Moses' greatest need was to be simply obedient. How hard is that? You're out working and your wife's with you and you hit cuts the top off a hornet's nest and you say, run! And she says, why? <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> About then she may find out why. Right in the head. It's always good to be obedient to God. Moses is going to have to learn obedience. When God tells Moses, listen, God's man needs God. God's come upon the scene and he's talking to his man. Moses begins to make excuses. Now, nobody in this congregation tonight has ever made an excuse, have we? I learned that very well. I'm glad J.D.'s here tonight. Just come up on my mind. I learned not to complain about my ankle hurting because I rode on his bony shoulder for about three miles one time out busted rock. And I learned then if that thing's killing me, not say nothing. That was a mistake. <laughs> Moses begins to make excuses. In chapter 3, verse 13, he says, uh, uh, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of the fathers who hath sent me to you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? Moses says, They don't know you, Lord. They don't know who you are. Can I go ahead and say, I don't think Moses did either. At this point, do you? He's just a man's being called. He he doesn't have any inclination. Uh, but he says, "Hey, they, they they don't know you. They don't know who you are." In chapter four, verse one, uh, notice what the Bible says. Uh, Once again, Moses answered, said, "But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee." Listen, the man of God delivers the message. That's his responsibility. Your reaction to that message is not his responsibility. The greatest preacher that ever walked the face of the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ, they were those that walked away for different reasons. One, because he had great riches. The gospel could not have been presented any clearer than the one who would fulfill it. He had the eloquence, but people's not going to believe you sometimes. It's not Moses' job to make them believe him. Uh, listen, in, in verse 10, look at the same thing. Moses said to them, O oh Lord, my Lord, I am not eloquent. Neither heretofore nor since uh, thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a tongue. And I love what God says in verse 11. Who hath made man's mouth? Psalm 139 verse 12 says, We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know that your weaknesses are talents that God's given you? You ever thought about it? He gave you your weaknesses. Paul said, when I'm weak, then am I strong. Your weakness is a talent that God's given you. Something for you to work on. You ever heard of the term raw talent? What does that mean? It's undeveloped. Listen, God, God gave Moses that because Moses, he would have had confidence in himself if he was able to speak clearly. Uh, but God put that in Moses on purpose. Uh, why? So Moses would need God. 
God's put some things in our lives so that we will need Him. So that we'll call on Him. Very seldom in a Christian's life is the trough full. God gives us just enough. Not only that, uh, look in verse, uh, 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 he says, uh, they can't understand me. They, they're not going to be able to understand what I say. And then in verse 13, he says, they're not going to listen. He said, oh, my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. You know what that means? Can't you send somebody else? See, the truth of the matter is Moses was tickled to death with everything God said till God said, I'm going to send you. We're glad when he's sending somebody else. It's easy to be the armchair quarterback on, on, on Monday morning after the preachers messed up two sermons on Sunday. <laughs> well, I think he said Abraham instead of Moses. I learned a long time, Brother Mike, not to listen to my own tapes because I got very disappointed. <laughs> Butchered what I was trying to say. Have tonight. But you know, that's not what it's about. It's about giving God's message. Man's response, as I said a while ago, is God's business. You know, God told Isaiah, or uh, Jeremiah, he, he said, they're not going to listen to you. He said, they're not going to listen to you. Now, he doesn't tell Moses that, but how would you like for God to come up and say, I want you to go out here, and I want you to preach out here somewhere, or I want you to witness out here somewhere, or I want you to start a youth group, but nobody's going to come. How faithful would you be in obedience to Him if He told you to do it if you didn't see any results? Jeremiah is a perfect example. How many converts did he have that the Bible records that actually listened to what he had to say? Clear cut, zero. Boy, they devoted him out of the ministerial association because he wasn't successful. His alma mater, whatever Bible school he went to, would not have even wanted to put his name on their little thing of graduates because they would have saw him unsuccessful. You know what success is? Obeying God, period. It's not about counting numbers. Jesus had 12 that stayed. And one of them was a devil, as he said there, uh, on, the, on the way uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane that night. One of them was a devil, and Jesus said that. <laughs> Isaiah himself, in Isaiah chapter 6, when God calls him, you know the first thing Isaiah sees, but he doesn't make an excuse, but he's seen the same thing Moses saw in himself. He said, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips and a people of unclean lips. Hopeless situation. But if you go on down there to verse 8, God says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, send me. People's, God's people has a need tonight. If you're God's people here tonight, you have a need. And that need is more God than you have right now. Regardless of who's in the pulpit, regardless of who's in the White House, regardless of who's teaching adult Sunday school, regardless, you need more God. And God's men, they're not exempt. They need more God. Listen, folks, the truth 
the whole truth of the matter is, as when Saul disobeyed Samuel concerning the Amalekites, Samuel said something to Saul. Y'all remember what he said? He said, of course, uh, uh, he he said that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, but he also said, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. I'm afraid today our churches is full of a lot of sacrifice. We're going and we're doing and we're doing all these things and we're sacrificing. And honestly, we're looking up at God and we're saying, look what I'm doing for you, Lord. Look what I'm doing for you. And God's saying, but you're not obeying. No matter how far you carry that in the wrong direction, you're still not going toward God. When you're doing something that God has not called you to do, you're not doing God any favors. God did not call uh, Moses at the time that he stood up and slew the Egyptian and he was disobedient to God and he was sacrificing, thinking that he would sacrifice his position as a prince and the people would recognize his sacrifice and they would follow him. But the truth of the matter is he was being disobedient. All our effort in the wrong direction will get you farther from God. We need more God in our churches. We need more God in our families. We need more God in the workplace. And the Lord knows we need more God in our government. They've shown Him the door. school system has showed God the door. We need more of Him. How many of us tonight, let's all stand the way of invitation. I, I just I just want everyone to stand. If it, if you don't mind, just bow your head amongst yourself. Pay no attention to the person beside of you or behind you or in front of you. Just you. Let's just assume tonight you're the only one here. I've just preached. God spoke to you. How many of you would be brave enough to step out and come to this altar and just say, God, I need more of you? I'm going to tell you, it's going to take bravery. Satan saying, all you. You can pray right where you are. I believe that. I believe God's back there as well as He is right here. But I believe there's times when we need to stand up and be counted. So God spoke to you tonight. And listen, He may not have spoke to a single person here tonight. It's not my responsibility, your response. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Is God speaking to you? Has He shown you your need tonight? Have you been looking in the wrong place? God forbid, have you been looking to a man? Let me tell you, whoever that man is you've been looking to, he needs God too. And I'm not going to be condescending to anyone at this altar because I'm going to kneel right beside this pulpit in the same humility that you are because guess what I need him too I 
need thee every hour. Fathers, we're praying tonight. God, you see woefulness of my spirit. By the Holy Ghost, I see my woefulness tonight in my spirit. Father, I see my helplessness tonight in you. Thank you for showing Father, I'm not committing to anything tonight. I'm surrendering. Oh, God, help me know the difference. How can I help someone if I don't seek your help myself? Father, I want to be obedient. Help me have the courage. Help me have the faith. Help me have the perseverance to just be obedient. God grant me patience, and I know what that prayer means. Tribulation worketh patience. Because, Father, I ain't going to look to you. I'm just going to be honest without a nudge. Father, without a famine, I'm not going to look up. I submit myself to you tonight. I surrender. In Jesus' name I make my prayer.